when we started Legion, the goal was to create an opportunity for one kid, just one, that come from where we come from. That was it. And, and now seeing how massive it's impacted like a whole demographic of people, you start to see, the, you start to see it differently. It's showtime, everybody! Showtime! You've been living in a dream world, Neo. Yeah. This is the world as it exists today. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around yeah. once in a while. You could miss it. Listen, we're talking about practice. You peed on the dude's rug. Donnie, you're out of your element. I see, you think this has nothing to do with you. Don't ever trash talk black Jesus. This is the Adventure Stash with Pace and McKelvin. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Uh, I have strict instructions to give this intro and outro recording just a few tries before handing it over to Lily to sub in for the first time, recording the intro and outro. Um, I'm recording this from the RV outside Heiko, Texas, where yesterday I raced the Gravel Locos Heiko race um, and went down in a really hard crash right at the end of an awesome day. I was having an amazing race, which was a big, big relief after a tough April. Um, had just pried open a race-winning move uh, with two other guys and crashed hard enough that I don't really remember what happened, actually, but it sounds like I overlapped uh, the wheel in front of me, went down super hard, smacked my head hard enough that when I came to, I didn't know where I was, didn't know what I'd been doing, any of that sort of thing, Um, had plenty of abrasions, cuts, really banged up shoulder, all that sort of thing. So a big thank you to uh, the race organizers and volunteers for getting me off the course and Nicole, who was fortunately there to support and my dad as well, uh, got to the hospital. Um, It's pretty obvious that I had a very solid concussion. We're not sure exactly on the shoulder yet. Could have been a shoulder separation, might've been like a subluxation, but it's pretty inoperable couple of stitches in my face, blah, blah, blah. Um, so dang it. Real big bummer. Um, I'm going to be laying low here for the next few days, at least not really looking at screens. This usually I have my laptop in front of me for these intros and have some little prompts, um, and all that sort of thing. So doing it off the cuff today, no screens for a couple of days. Going to try to keep the communication low, uh, but I just want to say thanks to everyone that's reached out. I feel so supported from near and far, um, and it means the world. It, it's certainly been uh, an up and down year already, but weirdly, I'm in good spirits. It's hard to put into words just how challenging mentally April was and having the the verification that things were headed back in a really good direction. Uh, And this race was going so well, weirdly, is a a very significant silver lining for me. Um, And I'm very optimistic that I'm going to have an awesome year still and and some great races and make great memories and all that sort of thing. So uh, it's another hurdle, but um, I know we'll get through it. So thanks, everyone, for supporting. Um, Moving on. Today's episode I recorded last week with Justin. Been a while since we caught up and he actually shot me a text just with kind of a bulleted list of things he wanted to chat about. And I was like, well, 
that's going to make a really good podcast. Let's do this thing. So big thanks to him for making the time. He's got to be one of the busiest people that I know of in the industry. And it was awesome to catch up with him and uh, talk all things crit racing, his F1 experience, and plenty in between. Before this intro gets too long, I want to say a big thank you to Dometic for supporting today's episode. Um, Nicole was out in the feed zones yesterday. This is an interesting race in that uh, there are two mandatory aid stops where the promoter, Fabian, actually stops the lead group and doesn't let anyone leave until everyone in that group sorts themselves out, gets everything they need, which is awesome. It takes a lot of pressure off. It would be sweet if other races could be conducted this way. I don't know that it, it, it's realistic logistically, but anyway, long story short, Nicole was at those two aid stations and uh, had our CFX powered cooler with her. And because the aid stations have a different feel, there's kind of more visiting going on. Um, and some of the other volunteers and supporters in the aid stations were really interested in this powered cooler because she was pulling out, you know, ice socks and uh, ice cold drinks um and they were like whoa what is that thing it looks really impressive i i didn't even know this but you can crank that cfx down to be a, a freezer too so on warm humid days like we had yesterday towards the end uh, we could th- keep things truly ice cold as in solid ice <laughs> which was uh really nice to have um i highly recommend you guys go to dometic.com and check out these cfx coolers um, or any of their other awesome outdoor products, you can use code STASH23, all caps, S-T-A-C-H-E, 23, for 20% off anything in their outdoor line of products. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will catch you after the show. Dude, I'm so glad we're finally catching up again. Um, you texted me a few days ago and basically just sent me a list. and I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> this is good. The, these are the things that are on Justin's mind, and I want to talk about them. Oh, no, do you? Yeah. Um, how have you been? You've been all over the place recently. Man, uh, life has been crazy. It's funny. Every year, I think my life is crazy, and then the following year, it gets more crazy. <laughs> and so, and I thought it would slow down at some point. I was like, oh, no, it's, you know, this can't last forever. It's going to slow down. But it keeps getting better. I keep growing as a person. I keep getting, like, these amazing opportunities put in front of me. Um, and I think that this year was a year that, you know, I've, I focused so much on kind of building the things around me because to me, what the possibility of what could be accomplished with, you know, putting together this league, putting together these teams, I just feel like it's bigger than me. And so I work myself to the bone a lot of the times and I miss a lot of opportunities for like personal kind of like, you know, projects or um opportunities you know like going to f1 and and this year was a year that i was like no like you know i called up you know my guy at red bull steve and i was like yo i want to do more like i want to do more of the the projects i want to do more of you know i want to take advantage of more of the opportunities that you know come with being a red bull athlete and uh and it like took off and it took off to a point where like i overbooked like my february march april or it was all overbooked I, I did like i went too much in that direction and so uh i mean i wouldn't change it for the world i got to i got to do um this event called culture shifters 
um, mm-hmm. which was a Burton Fat Tire Red Bull collab in Aspen. Yep. That was pretty ridiculous. You know, just being in that environment, watching what's happening in the snow snowboarding world, hearing people's stories of being an only. Was um, Zeb, Zeb was part of that? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Zeb was basically like leading it along um, along with the Salema. Yeah, this and is so, Zeb, uh, Zeb Powell, who's just one of the most insane snowboarders right now, doing absolutely dude, ridiculous things. He's and he's he's video game level yeah. good. Yeah, <laughs> like and also video game level cheat code good. Yeah, and simultaneously, I mean, kind of kind of like you, just full gas. Um, trying to diversify the sport and and open doors Dude. and that's what this what? Uh, uh uh sorry what is it called again the, the uh, most, uh this was culture shifters yeah culture shifters and isn't it kind of like a tour he has a he basically takes it around the country i think i think that's what he's trying to put yeah. together mm-hmm. I, I just got invited to one yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome and it was it was amazing i learned to snowboard when i was like 19 and i remember being the only on the mountain when I went to snowboard and and to go to this culture shifters event and to really to see how much like laughter and fun and banter and color was on the mountain just seeing people mobbing seeing people you know people of color on the lifts coming Mm -hmm. down when you're going up the lifts in the in the food court it was um even though I'm not from snowboarding, I recognize how special that moment was. And I was, I felt really blessed to even be able to be a part of it. So like, that was like one of the things I got to do that like completely changed my perspective on how I was looking at things. Yeah. Um, and, and really grounded me in the understanding that like, it's all going to be worth it. You know, if we, if we can make this all, if we can pull this all together, we can make this all work. It'll, it'll be an incredible, incredible experience. Oh Yeah. Um, when was that? When were you? When were you in Aspen? March? Culture shifters was maybe three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Oh, really? Wow. <clears throat> yeah. Jeez. And then before that, I was in. Um, before that, I was in Vermont mm. for this a mosaic mosaic session, uh, which was which was also really cool. And and around snowboard, I'm pretty much a snowboarder now. <laughs> 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 uh, and that was that was really dope. And that was also a Red Bull event. Um, around snowboarding that I got to to kind of tag in and tag along with, and you know they the people in that community ad- adopted me right away, and, mm. and it was it's amazing, dude. I can't I can't honestly can't wait for next snowboard season because I I want to go snowboarding. Oh yeah, and then uh, you're in Miami for F one. Yo, which I want to <laughs> let's let's uh I want to like do a real deep dive on that because you were like in it like yeah you know, had was, one, one elbow on the car type in it. It's <laughs> just like, I'm here. Uh, um, I am here. <laughs> had Dude. you ever been to, I mean, we, we, we've been to like super high level sporting events together, like Lakers games and stuff. But have you been to like the, like a super big production from a sports standpoint? That's not, have you been to an NFL game for example? I have been. I've been to an NFL game. I've done some like collegiate NCAA stuff, like USC, UCLA. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So I've I've been to some of that stuff, but it's it's still a completely different beast, man. Yeah. So if you if you think about like being in Staples Center, like good seats, 
all the celebrities are around. LeBron rolls out. It's just an insane atmosphere, right? Right. Take an NFL game. Take the craziest, like, I don't know, uh, Tulsa Tough level, Crybaby Hill energy. Take all of those experiences. Where does F1 rank there? Like, how does that compare? Oh, what it, what was it like? It, it's definitely number one. Really? Like it's it's definitely number one. For more sure. it, it, more it's than the coolest. More than like Lakers. I would rather have like paddock passes to an F one race than like floor seats to Lakers. <laughs> Dude. Like for sure. Oh, like not even close. Don't let and Reggie hear I, this. <laughs> I know. And it's every, but it's everything that happens around it. This is what I love about it so much. It's like we used to do these we used to do these fixed gear races called Red Hook. Yep. And Red Hook was so cool because of everything. It was The race was really cool, but it was everything that happened around it that was really cool. And the access that you would have to kind of the athletes after the race, even before the race. So I would show up to like Barcelona for Red Hook like a week before and there would be rides and there would be parties to go to and there would be like meetups and there would be bike shops that were supporting that you can go hang out at and there would be people from the community that were just involved in like being stoked on bikes and making sure that people who visited wherever the race was was stoked on bikes and it was the, there were these moments in time where the community that loved this thing came together and it was the best of the best of the best right yep and it was, and a lot of it was probably a perspective because we were all broke. So like, you know what I mean? We we made it what it was. But F one is basically the ultimate version of the ultimate version of that. So everything from like when you land to, you know, for me going as a Red Bull athlete, like the hotel that you stayed in, Alfatari was giving away clothing. Viore, which is my one of my personal sponsors, sent me like clothing to like for the weekend, like. Um, the, the the cocktail hour, the first day you got there with the people that were there, the people you get to hang out with and, and start relationships with and network with. Dude, it was, it's an insane experience because so many people from so many walks of life, like like from sponsors, like there's so much business getting done. Yeah, It, it brings all of my worlds together, uh, which is really special. So, you know, from start to finish, from day one to day, you know, four or something, it was every day had something um, so unique, uh, so unique to that that moment uh, that you can't compare it to something that's like one day. You know what I mean? You can't compare it to something that, you know, happens and then you leave and then you don't really get to you don't have the same experience, dude. The F1 drivers are walking around the paddock. Mm. Like, they're taking pictures with people. They're talking to people. They're going to events. They're going to, like, they have all of these obligations. I'm actually blown away at how much the drivers actually do. Yeah. Like, in Miami, they had, like, a parade, which they hadn't <laughs> done before. And I was like, I was like, what the, I was like, what is going on? Like, like I enjoyed it. It was cool. But it was the the obligations that the drivers have in F1 is, for me, really inspiring on how I'd love to build out crit racing. Mm. Yeah, so I really kind of, I wanted to hear your perspective on this and like hear the details of what it's actually like. Because most people have seen the Netflix series. And when you watch, (laughs) I feel like a lot of the success of that series is that it really 
it it, uh, it just kind of leaves you floored as to just how like grand it all is. Like when you're watching it, it feels like it feels like uh, it's like the Super Bowl mixed with. Because I feel like when you're watching from a from a viewership standpoint, when humans are just mind blown by a thing, I feel it's like it's professional sports. And then there's like the Super Bowl, which is like the crown or like the World Cup of soccer, like or the Olympics. And mm-hmm. then the only thing above that is like this is going to sound weird, but like uh, space travel, NASA, <laughs> like a rocket launch. You know what I mean? Where like everyone yeah, yeah, is glued you. to a TV and like, wow, humans are doing this thing right now. And I cannot fathom how much work. And like how much went into it, but F one is like NASA mixed with like the Academy Awards red carpet mixed with the Super Bowl. But dude, it happens like every weekend. It's not like the, the Super Bowl where there's one a year. How many rounds do they have? Like thirty? I think twenty. Yeah, it's like twenty. It's twenty something. Twenty-four, twenty-five, or something. Yeah, yeah. It's and they're and they're adding like they added <laughs> Vegas, yeah. which is like. <laughs> there's a video i'm gonna send it to you there's a video on the logistics of f1 mm. and it is incredible like yeah. it's, it's again inspiring that these people can put to, that have put together the ultimate version everything they do is the best dude their staff like their hostess and stuff travel with them so that the quality stays high so like i was in the vip and i'm chilling in the, at the red bull vip and this girl that's serving our table is italian and I'm like, where are you? I'm like, where are you from? And she's like, oh, I'm from Italy, from Italy. And I'm like, it's like the the most minor details of this thing is so flushed out. Yeah, yeah. It's it's in dude. It's on such another. It is. It's another planet. Mm. So you're absolutely right. Um, and it's it was just a. It was so cool, man. It was so cool getting to be a part of it and getting to see it. And for me, again, I see it from a different lens because I'm like, how do I how do I want American cycling to look? What direction am I trying to help push this thing in? And the answer is F one. So yeah, you know, me being I, I was I've been an F one fan before the um before the Drive to Survive series came out. I, I got introduced to F one through uh Ericson Senna Flex. who was a Brazilian driver. So it was like, you know, ten <laughs> years ago. I know. Like you're yeah, like a Warriors fan who like to bandwagon all of a sudden they're Warriors fans. <laughs> but like that's how I feel about F one. Um but no, it, it's, I'm grateful to see it growing. I'm, I'm grateful to see the diversity growing within it. Um, I, I'm a massive Lewis fan. Uh, I'm a massive Checo fan. Um, so seeing those people of color kind of thrive in the sport right now is, is, is so special to me. And being able to watch the logistics of it all and how they build it and tear it down. Mm. Um, man, I, I would if we could get 60% of the way there for Criterium Racing, it would be incredible. So, all right, I have a, I, I have a lot of thoughts and questions about that and kind of what you've learned, what you took away, but quickly, I think it'd be cool for people to get walked through your actual experience. So talk to me about like one of the things that comes through a little bit in the drive to survive, uh, episodes is like how many hoops it seems like you have to jump through just to get from wherever you're staying to like the paddock. 
like what the drivers have to go through, like the amount of logistics. It's like an Olympic village, it seems like. So walk us through like all the times you had to flash a badge, what it was like to hang out in, you know, the actual paddock. What did the what did the car look like up close and personal? What surprised you? All that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay, so uh, getting there was pretty sick. Um, you get to, uh, Red Bull had their own hotel, so basically they rented out a hotel. Uh, we were lucky. We had a bus that came and picked us up every day, and it would take us in basically to this like VIP kind of like drop off, yep. and then we would be at the front of the line for when they would let people in. Um, so that was really cool. So like all of that was like so organized. It was organized so well. Being there with Red Bull was incredible. Like you didn't have to think about anything. Like there was a schedule for you. It was on like a, a it was on a big board as you walked into the hotel. It'd just be like a there was a board where you could uh, see everything that you needed to to do for each day. Yeah. And so you'd get there. We got there. We hung we hung out. We actually did some media training, which was really cool on just kind of like what's happening in social media, understanding algorithms, huh. algorithms. So that yeah. was really cool that they put something together that was like good for us. Um, we had some um, like media obligations. So we had like this GQ thing. We were constantly building uh, content for, for Red Bull, which was like, dude, they're so good at it. And mm -hmm. it's so efficient. They'd be like, hey, come in for five minutes. And like most of the time, when you if you've dealt with producers before, when they say five minutes, they really mean an hour. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and and this was so efficient. It was like five minutes, and it would be four, and they'd be like, "All right, we're good, we got it." And then yeah. you would just go about your business. Like I don't know, is that if that's a testament to my social media skills <laughs> and ability to talk, or, or you know, or they just had it down. So you'd get there. We I got there. All of that happened. Um, the morning of like qualifying, you would basically they say meet here. There was like a ten minute like window that if you're a little bit late, we grab a coffee, we jump on the bus, we'd go to uh, the drop off site, we'd go to the front of the line. You go in with a regular ticket, right? And then you go to the the Red Bull VIP zone, and then you would have to go in there. You'd have to have another ticket, and then they'd give you a wristband. Mm. And so once you had the wristband, that was what got you in and out of the Red Bull VIP. So the Red Bull VIP and the paddock are different. Mm. For the paddock, you have to have a pass. Mm -hmm. So you have to have an actual like pass that they give you, you put on. And so after you did that, like if you wanted to go to the paddock, you could like say like, oh, we want to go to, I want to go down the paddock. And then someone would basically come get you from the Red Bull race team. Like from the race team, they, you know, they'd come give you a pass. They'd walk you in. And then basically you got to just like hang out. You Like this is where the drivers are. Once you're at the bottom where the garages are, that's where the drivers are going back and forth. You know, they're going to, you know, to, to get on the track or to go talk to the engineers or whatever. Um, and then dude, when, so they get these garages and they're just, they're just space and they build them out with all of their uh, infrastructure. Yeah. And dude, the Red Bull infrastructure, it all glows. There's like, it looks like a spaceship. Yeah. Like you walk into the paddock and it looks like a spaceship. There's like like neon lights everywhere. There's screens everywhere. There's like dope video, videos up. It's, it's super cool. And then you walk in and it opens up and you see the cars. Mm. And the cars are, what's surprising about the, 
cars is like they have they've gotten a lot bigger mm. over the years like i think these cars now are the biggest cars they've ever had so that's like a little bit weird when you get up on them and you realize how big they actually are you're mm. like oh shit like this is a massive car and then when they're working on them typically the front wing is off and then the side panels are off mm. so like the 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 controversial side pods you yeah. know what i mean yeah they're off the car and they're just like this massive piece of carbon uh. And they just sit out front of the garage. And so that's obviously so they could get into the engine and work on the things they need to work on, figure out the suspension, figure out like all of this stuff that's going on, so on and so forth. But it's like such an incredible thing to watch this fully built out spaceship be being worked on in like a futuristic spaceship setting. Mm -hmm. It's super dope. And like you walk in and everyone's doing something. Um, from, you know, the team practicing pit stops, you know, pulling tires on and off to the engineers working on the engine and getting all of the specs right for the day, the ride height right for the day. Um, and it's just, it's, it's just incredible, you know what I mean? And then, like, I'm watching this. I'm watching the cars. We're taking some pictures. Um, we're just, like, talking about the experience and everything. Uh, and Max just walks in, no like, way. casually. Yeah, dude, he just walks in and he That's just like crazy. obviously either had a comment or something that he needed to to tell the mechanics and he's just like chilling. Yeah. Like is you you like I'm you know, I'm twenty feet away from him. Uh and that kind of experience is like so cool, man. You know, we we weren't the only people that had paddock passes, but like that's what I'm saying. Like if I could choose a paddock pass over floor seats, I would choose a paddock pass because like, you know, while I'm gonna see LeBron playing and locked into what he's doing. Like you're not going in the locker room. You're not going in the locker room. Yeah. You know what I mean? Dude, that's the thing. That's, that's what, so when you started saying that you see potential here in terms of, of applying it to bike racing, I immediately knew what you were talking about because I, when you think about it, F1 is doing something that I don't think any other sports is doing, which is just giving insane access and basically making, uh, making the entire thing a production. Like there's, there's a show going on, but like the curtain is never like an impenetrable curtain. Like it is in some other sports, right? Dude, right. no one is ever going on the, t on the team bus with Pogachar before the last TT in the tour. That's not okay, happening. Dude. That's not okay, happening. Okay, okay. You're absolutely right. So tour California, successful race, really dope, right? I thought that the Tour of California was the coolest when they did circuit races. Like when they would do like the, they did the Rose Bowl, they did Sacramento. Mm. There's a couple of, 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 they did one in downtown. They did a circuit race in downtown LA. I think Sagan won it. And when they did that, they had the atmosphere and environment of F1. Mm. And the, the one that they did at the Rose Bowl, I actually got to go on the EF bus because Taylor Finney was on the team, and that's my guy. Yeah. And so that experience compares. Yeah. You're absolutely right. That is the experience that I was like, man, if Tour California just locked in and did circuit races, mm. did like one TT or maybe a prologue that was like on a circuit, did like one mountaintop finish, so Baldy was a good one and everyone would show up to that. That was cool. And then all the rest of the races were just like really dope circuit races. And they built out like a village and they built a pit out and you there was a pit pass that you could buy where all the buses were parked and you could walk through and see the teams. Ah oh, man, I just don't see how that wouldn't have had the value to continue to like 
to continue to grow the sport here in America with that kind of model, but it just never happened. And I would see that and be so excited because like, man, I'm on the bus with EF. Mm. Like this is this is me as like a semi pro. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is like me as like a professional athlete being on the bus with these world tour guys and I'm like, this is so dope. Like yeah. this is sick. And so you're right. That's that's exactly what comes to mind when you when you're in the paddock. Then you're like, dude, like they're right there. Mm. You know, I'm getting to see, you know, I'm looking into like Chekhov's car. <laughs> yeah. That's you know crazy. what I mean? It's crazy. It's so sick, dude. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting too because and I'm going to have to say this carefully to not piss some people off, but um, one of the big, one of, one of the like incredible things that F1 pulled off is I think a lot of people will agree that of all of the different kinds of racing that happens, whether it's bike racing or even just different kinds of car racing, horse racing, whatever, the actual F1 racing, the way it plays out is probably not, the most unpredictable, exciting, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's <laughs> no, it's, su- it's super badass. It's incredible. Yeah. It's the pinnacle of speed. Yeah, the crashes are insane. When you really get into following the sport and the drivers, like, there's tons of intrigue. But I don't know that you can argue that there's like more suspense than no. I mean, in I think, other kinds of racing, and so I think you're right. From that standpoint, like. Uh, what they've been able to pull off in terms of this global sensation, making the Netflix series so incredible. I guess where I'm going with this is I'm really curious to see how the new uh, Tour de France Netflix series compares from like an excitement standpoint, because I think it has the potential to be at least as exciting. And so when you're talking about taking, taking all of the, inspiration from f1 and like applying it to these ideas you had about tour california circuit racing i know we're going to get into talking about uh the new crit league all that sort of thing um some people might roll their eyes a little bit like oh you can't you know you can't compare them but just from like a product standpoint there are definitely uh, like strengths actually that i think bike 100%. racing has that f1 even might not potentially i don't know and they're, I not, might be and they're not the same no you're absolutely right and it's not the same in the way that your brain think you're, the way that you, the way that your brain is processing that is absolutely right and most people's brain don't process things like that so you're absolutely right and from our perspective we're going like obviously they're not the same but there's things that relate and in my brain i can correlate how to transfer the the thing that i'm seeing an F1 over to cycling. Mm. And most people can't do that. They want to go, oh, you're going to do exactly the same thing. It's like, no, we're not going to, we're not thinking that it's going to be exactly the same, but there are things and ideas and ways that they do things that we can like mutate into a version that will work in cycling. Mm. So you're like, you're absolutely right. And so Dude, F1 is, is unbelievable. And and the way that it can be applied in the, like, again, it's a weekend. And the way that I've pitched what I want to do for Criterium is a weekend. Like, there's a lot of things that we can plug in that would that would enrich the experience for anyone, anyone going, but also people that have that all-access pass. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so let's talk about that. So one of the things, I guess, sort of the, one of the elephants in the room right now, um, are these these leagues these new oh my god concepts oh. 
let's just do a little state of the union in regards to crit racing because okay. it went from like there were there were USA cycling events. No, no one talking about it. <laughs> there there were USA cycling like there's been these different iterations. Um and then it sort of feels like it all started to fall apart to an extent and then you had like a, a cohesiveness but you still had these super solid like single events whether it's Tulsa yeah. Tough or Twilight or whatever but there wasn't necessarily a cohesive idea right that everyone was on the same page about is that fair to say yeah no that's that's dead on okay um but now there's like kind of two um there's been two major announcements i guess in the last year or so one of them you're a driving force behind uh the other uh, i guess ncl i i sort of understand i have a couple of buddies that race in it but i i kind of tried to watch the first one on gcn but i was a little confused if i'm honest <laughs> yes yeah, you're a bike racer <laughs> so talk to me Talk, try to clarify here some for us. Um, okay, let me let on. me preface let me preface this with um, cycling has a lot of potential. It's just super unorganized, right? And USA Crits um, when that existed was an uh, was a basic organization of a point structure mm. you know what i mean it was basically a point structure in a live stream that people could have some cohesiveness in uh and in theory you could use for storytelling which it, it didn't get used for good storytelling right um but they had a live stream and that was cool and a lot of teams could sell against that because it was something that they could tell their sponsors that they were focusing on um when we started legion like no one was talking about cycling, like crit racing on like a big level, mm -hmm. right? And and we had become this driving force of not only diversity and inclusion in the sport and not only like taking up space and, and, and being proud of taking up space and creating this environment where people can be their authentic self. Um, we were championing how differently people should view cycling because it was cool and we wanted to bring it to people in from a lens that was cool. You know what I mean? And so we started Legion and, you know, there was all of these ideas that were flowing on how we kind of wanted to see the sport transform. Because if you look at this sport, it's this sport has been around forever. And there's been a couple of like really cool attempts at getting it past this. I just feel like it's at the, it has this glass ceiling, and there's been a couple of cool attempts to break the glass ceilings, and it just it just hasn't happened, right? And the NCL is actually named after another league that happened in the past that was called the NCL. Mm. Um, and so, you know, we we generated all this momentum, and actually, I sat down with the people that own the NCL um, and. The, I'm where they got all of their ideas from, right? I'm the reason that they were interested in investing in this sport in, in the first place. And so I went to go sit down with these people and, 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 and they were, you know, to me, being in the presence of successful black men, uh, I, I was looking for a mentor at the time. So sharing these ideas to me felt like I didn't even fathom that, that someone that looked like me that comes from where I come from or has an understanding of what it's like to be in my skin uh, would would take from me, 
you know what I mean? And so going through those meetings and hearing them out, it, it just became really apparent to me that they wanted to build something, something that was kind of gimmicky. Mm. And that's fine. Is their money? You know, it's not, that's not something that I was interested in or, or feeling like I was selling out the sport that I had grew up in. You know, I've been in, I've been in cycling for two decades. Um, and I just, I see it so clearly in my head what this could be. And I'm just not willing to compromise the vision. I'll compromise, but I'm not willing to compromise the vision, especially for people that are in it for money mm. and, and only in it for money. And so when you have these people that come into this space that aren't from this space and you have desperation amongst athletes, because I have friends that race, race for these teams, too. And like, it's great. Get your bag. Like everyone deserves a bag. Like my whole MO is to like continue to build this out. That's why we have three teams now to get more people paid and to get more people in a position where they could like do the things that they want to do and influence the next generation of people that are doing what they want to do in, in a really good way, in a healthy way. And so, yeah, like, dude, the, the, what the NCO has is that they offered a, like athletes money that they probably never seen before in this space you know what i mean and we're and i wasn't willing to and so through all the conversations that i had with them i wasn't willing to kind of do go in the direction that they wanted to go in with like the point structure and the way they they wanted races to be and the way that they kind of viewed athletes and and what they wanted to do as far as how they wanted to build the space because I had already thought about this for 20 years and I already knew kind of, I already saw what would and wouldn't work. And I, and we don't need, and there's certain things that you just don't need mm. uh, in order to make something exciting. Like you talked about earlier, like F1, like it's not really unpredictable, especially after the first couple of races, yeah. but they make a story out of it. They make a story out of the battle of the, the front of the field versus the back of the field. They make a story out of Max and Checo having equal footing and, and having to race each other. There's a story around how Mercedes is like, has a, the young up and comer and the, and the legend and mm. being at the back of the field is not where they're used to being and them fighting for fifth and sixth position. Of, you know what I mean? Mm. They build that out. But they don't change the way that racing works. They, they're not doing like loop like loops in in mm. in <laughs> F1 races because the cars can drive can drive upside down. You know what I mean? They're not, like, they're, not they're not adding jumps to F1 racing because they think that's cool. And so that's kind of my vision of the NCL. It's can like, you give some Can you give some specific examples for folks that might not be familiar? Because as I was watching, the thing that it immediately reminded me of was do you remember that one year where in the world tour there was like the hammer league or whatever it was called yeah yeah, yeah. i remember that yeah and i remember that like i i sort of understood but within an hour of watching that that hammer league when like i think it was tom dumoulin like got confused at one point in terms of how the points yeah. was were, were working and you're like shit. If the guy in the race is confused, this probably isn't viable. <laughs> yeah, hundred um, percent. And so, an example is like the way that they do the point system is like the men's race and the women's race are the same race, even though they're done at different times. So basically, like the women will race first, and they'll generate points, but there is no winner to the women's race. Like there's no winner. You just generate points. Yeah. And then the men's race will start and whatever 
points that the women ended with, that team gets those points. Mm. You know what I mean? And so then the men will race and they'll generate points. I'm, you know, I'm, this is my understanding of it. It could be wrong. And then whoever, <laughs> whoever has a total most points at the end of the race between men and women uh, wins the event. Yeah. It's like pretty anticlimactic. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and then you kind of take away from one or the other because, like, you could race the women second sometimes and the men, like, second sometimes. And so then, in theory, you could have different winners. But it's it's like, I rem- like, there was a girl, I only watched the highlights, but there was a girl who won the women's race and thought she won the race. Yeah. And she, and she didn't win the race. And she didn't win. And nothing was happening. That's what I and was so- about to bring up. And, and I also want to clarify for people here, like, Obviously, Justin and I are really good friends, but I'm really trying to be objective here just based on my own observations. Like, I'm not here to try to build up what you're working on, Justin, and, like, downplay this other thing. I'm just literally speaking to my own viewership experience. And there was that moment where someone crossed the finish line on the last lap and post it up, but it was like a half post up because they weren't really sure. Because as a bike racer, they were so used to posting up when you cross the finish line. Like that's, yeah. that is so quintessential to bike racing. But they were like, wait, is this what I do in this scenario? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't really. And it, I, I yeah. feel like everyone was confused in that moment. <laughs> I, I would agree with you. And and I look, that's probably going to grow. They're probably going to change that if they're smart. Mm-hmm. Um but to me, like, I, I just think that m- from my perspective and what I'm trying to build, like, it's about the people and it's about the storytelling. It's about the this is why Drive to Survive is so successful is because it's about people want to connect with people. They don't necessarily want to connect with this thing that they've never seen before or don't understand. Yeah. And right now, our sport people just don't understand it. And so instead of like instead of you know, trying to create connections to the people within a team that you can connect to on a human level. They're thinking that the, the that them putting out these these basically I don't even know if they're they're not even points races, they're they're like tempo races. A tempo race is basically like you basically collect points every lap or every other lap or whatever. There's a set number of lap you pick and you collect you collect points every time you cross the finish line. And it's it's confusing. Mm-hmm. And it's just confusing. And like, yeah, hopefully they evolve. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm at the point, I think at first I was really angry with the fact that uh, the, the NTO came along and they basically it took the idea that I had been talking about for 10 years. You know what I mean? And pursuing like heavily for five. Um, but it's fine. I, I'm, I'm excited that my friends are getting paid. If that keeps them in the sport for a little bit longer, then I'm, I'm, that's dope. Um, but if you but no one understands cycling yet in America, like it's it's I won't say no one. A, a lot of people have a hard time understanding um, cycling in, in, in America at the moment. And if you can't bring it to them, kind of like Drive to Survive was brought to the American demographic, you're not it, it's not going to catch on. Yep. And so that's yeah, it's 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 a bit confusing. There's a couple of different 
things starting up and and that's good man when there's a lot of competition that's when you're going to get the best product and that's when things grow the fastest so i'm looking forward to doing continuing down the path that we're continuing down i made a decision to myself that when when all of that went down that like slow and steady is okay Mm. you know what i mean we went from one team to two teams to three teams you know there's an opportunity for us to move to four teams next year I'm I'm okay with that. I'm okay with building out the teams and basically like figuring out a, a management, um, a management structure for for the athletes that work with us and getting them more connected to, you know, the 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 companies that partner with each team. Yeah, you know what I mean. And and that's dope. And our teams are all, all of the teams are their own entities. Like they're their own brands. They have their own sponsors. They have their own obligations. Like we are we over we. We are just the oversight. We're, we don't yeah. control the team. They have their own managers. Yeah. Everything is like separate. And so people have this thing that like, oh, you guys are colluding. Colluding is a big word that keeps coming up. There's collusion if you have more than one team and blah, blah, blah. And I'm <laughs> like, no, like I'm trying to kick their ass just like I'm trying to kick every other team's ass. The thing yeah. that we're trying to create is opportunity because there's a lot of people out here and there. There's a lot of people that I've dealt with. There's a lot of managers that I dealt with that have no oversight and are predatory. And they and they're and they've taken advantage of situations. And what we're trying to do is go, hey, you're the manager of this team, but if you're not doing what you're supposed to do or you step out of line, you will be fired. Yeah. You you now have a boss. Yeah. And that ha- that has to happen. Dude in 20 in 2018 and 2018 2019 2020 2020 2021 we only had one team and we won everything yeah so it doesn't make sense for people to think or have the thought process that we want to win more i think people <laughs> in general like a general sense of people are like they're worried about themselves and trying to take care of themselves and their families and so i don't think they understand where i'm coming from when I go, I built these teams because I have friends that don't race bikes anymore because there wasn't an option for them to continue to do it. Mm-hmm. That's why I go out of my way and I use le- the leverage that I have, the resources resources that I have, and the connections that I've built to be able to bring someone like Iman yeah. home from Europe to race in America because he's an amazing crit racer and he's an amazing person. He's an amazing character. I can build story around him. You know what I mean? To bring Rob Carpenter back from Europe, from like doing the same thing and beating his head against the same wall every year. It's the best I've ever seen him. Kyle Murphy. Kyle Murphy has this incredible story of starting in fixed gear racing. He was a fixie fool, as they say, and went from being a fixed gear kid in San Francisco doing alley cats to the U.S. pro national champion. I can tell that story. And to have the opportunity to bring people back and, and have these teams that they can live within that's that's the goal um okay so let's uh i want to talk about two things next i want to talk about the austin aviators hell yeah Tight. hell yeah i'm Tight. really stoked for my hometown um and then also i gotta switch their colors bro I have a little bit of burnt burnt orange under their arm, but they're like maroon. And I was like, all right, we're gonna <laughs> the, we gotta switch. We gotta switch to. We're gonna make the main color that burnt, you know, yeah. long horn orange, yeah. and then we'll do the little maroon highlights. But yeah, I, some people from Austin got on my case when I got there. <laughs> like, That's funny. All of this, <laughs> <laughs> Rock color. Um, 
And then let's also talk about uh, the crit league because I think we should okay. we should kind of describe for people what you are trying to build because obviously one of the big narratives is there's these dueling leagues supposedly now. Um, yeah. And like who stole whose idea? Are they the same? Are they wildly different? Like I think there could just be some clarification there. Um, yeah. Before we do that, I just you mentioned earlier that you're you're good with building slowly in regards mm-hmm. to these teams. Um, you have Legion, obviously Miami Blazers and now Austin Aviators. And I mean, it's taken a good handful of years to have these three teams, but kind of what you alluded to a minute ago is like, I mean, we could look up in five years, which in the scheme of things is not that long. And there's eight teams, nine teams. And all of a sudden that's, that's pretty insane, especially when it has the the structure that it it you know that is my understanding of this, where they're they're standalone standalone teams with very strong community based you know uh, city city centered teams that have a foundation and pride and all that sort of thing. That's what you've you've always preached. So one thing I I personally have been curious about is how the funding of these of these teams where I mean Legion is obvious, like y'all have sponsors, you have big sponsors, yeah. longtime sponsors. Cause cause it's important to you that obviously these these teams are well supported. Like they need to be sustainable. Riders need to actually have careers. Um SRAM seems like a pretty consistent supporter, I've noticed. Yeah. Um yeah. how how hard has it been to Cause you're still the driving force behind this. Like you're presumably the one going to brands and be like, Hey, I have this other team project. And they're like, bro, how many teams do you have to have? <laughs> uh, it's true, dude. It's so true. <laughs> it's selling the, no one can sell the, the vision. Like I can sell the vision. Yeah. Like, like that's one of my gifts. I think is like being able to like get people excited about something. And so, yeah, no, you're right. And and what's helping is having a a playbook, a giving the understanding of the overall picture and people kind of they can grasp onto that really quickly. Like everyone knows what a league is supposed to look like, explaining to them the 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 holes within cycling and the organizational flaws that we've had. The fact that all organizers are independent and they don't really fall under any umbrella. We haven't figured out a way yet to get everyone either on the same page or get someone that owns enough events to kind of pull it together the storytelling and the media around it. Like it's, it's all, I can explain that really well to people. And so companies like a company like Canyon comes on and goes, yeah, like we want to, we want to be better than specialized. We want to be better than Legion. The goal is for us to be better than Legion. And I go, okay, great. I'll use my expertise to get you everything that you need, get you the riders that you need. And, you know, we, there's a former national champion on, on the Miami Blazers uh, and Danny Estevez. Uh, there's some really talented riders who's, who've won some NRC level or NRC national level races like, you know, Tanner Ward, uh, Brandon Fury, um, you know, this dude, Ruben Campagnoli was in the climber's jersey at the Tour of California. Mm. Like they have an incredible team and they want to be, they want to compete with Legion. Legion is the concept. It is not the end all be all. It's not the favorite. It is the concept. And it was the concept that was proven to then say, here's everything we learned about building Legion. Let's build a team in 
Austin who has one of the best cycling communities with like events like the driveway. They have mm. the breakfast club. Mm. They have, you know, some of the biggest and best pros uh, in cycling. They have a legend of cycling that all resides in that. that that's all the culture of Austin cycling. Yeah. It's a perfect place to start a team. Let's do it. Right. Let's go to Miami who has like hundred person, hundred mile group rides. Mm -hmm. And there's such a rich culture of like Central and South America there who, who are countries that love bike racing and and there's so much and that that community is so much about fitness and it's so much about doing you know what i mean let's start a team there that makes sense how do we connect partners that match those demographics whether they they see it or not uh and how do we give them the ability to to grow right and then how do we build around that with like merchandise sales how do we create revenue drivers for the team so that not only are we getting giving these partners and these sponsors a a really dope platform to not only engage in the community and create brand loyalty and trust in the community by these these teams operating as you know field marketing teams for them right because I could tell, like some random person could tell another random person that Canyon bikes are the best. But the a three-time national champion showing up to your group ride and telling you that Canyons are the best, it's just a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And that's a massive and that's a massive thing because it comes back to access of athletes. We're telling these stories to build heroes. Those heroes are now showing up in communities. That's that is massively important and valuable to sponsors and then next to that being able to sell like own the brand the miami blazers right being able to own that brand and then create t-shirts and uniforms jerseys backpacks wherever we get to with this that's also massive that those are revenue drivers that create sustainability for the team so that we can slowly get these athletes pay up it's a, it's a long grind, but people understand that. Sponsors understand that. There's other companies that we talk to that are like, we want to see it get a little bit further down the road before we invest into what you're doing, but we understand what you're doing. Yeah. And so there's people that have taken the, you know, the leap earlier, but these teams are supposed to turn into franchises. If, if you're familiar with how the, the PLL, uh, the Premier uh, Lacrosse League started, they basically owned all the They basically own all the teams. And then after a while, they're supposed to franchise those teams out. Same thing with the MLS, the Major League Soccer in America is the same thing. The league owned all the teams and they had this vertical, which allowed them to move very quickly on sponsorships, on things they wanted to do, whatever the case may be. And then eventually when it got to a place where it was sustainable and it was a bit more, it had a better uh, foundation, then they were able to franchise the teams out. And we're looking at the same kind of concept where like, I'm not gonna, we're not gonna have ownership of all the teams forever. But like as of right now, because of the way that cycling is and how unorganized it is, what would happen is like a team comes into what we're doing. We, everything's going well. We don't own that brand that that team uh, is operating under. They decide that doing the Tour de France is better for them. They leave. So they take everything that we were building together and they, they have a different idea of what they want to do and they leave. You cannot have that. It doesn't make sense. That's what happens with the races. All of the races, and, and I know this because I've had 
ridiculously long conversations with race organizers about trying to get them on the same page about it being important to have some consistency uh, and some fluidity within our series, our race series for the year. And they're all on different pages. Mm. Some of them think that they're community events. Some of them want to build bike racing. Some of them are only, most of them are only concerned about participation and how many people they get at their event. It's simple economics. There is almost no amount of people that you're going to be able to bring into your cycling event that are going to register as athletes and do an hour race. You don't have enough time in a day that's going to get you the amount of money that's possible through broadcasting, uh, merchandising uh, and and experiences uh, and VIP type things. And. They don't they don't get that. Their brain goes, I need to do this because this is the way it's done before. And it's brought me success. And I'm worried about my success. You guys come to do this race so you can show off to your sponsors. And that's the trade off. Yeah. But it's crazy, man. Like I I say this all the time. Imagine like Rihanna being charged by an event promoter to perform at their event. (laughs) Like. It's it's such a small minded kind of approach to something that has the potential to be an F1. Mm. And so my thing is, like, how do we get to F1? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it sort of sounds like uh, it's the participation model versus the spectator model in a way. And the success of of what I do is the participation model. And it totally makes sense. And there was a point last year where the Grand Prix was trying to make it a spectator model and they were trying to partner with flow to like live stream unbound and it didn't work one because it's almost impossible to to broadcast from the plains of kansas and also i'm sorry but even i who do it am not gonna go back and watch a 10-hour gravel race talk about something that isn't exciting but the yeah, but that's what's so cool about gravel is that the participation model works for gravel because you get thousands and thousands of exactly. people to do it, and, and you, you can make you can make really interesting content around mm-hmm. it in the same way that there's incredibly interesting content about UTMB and live streaming the finish line and some updates from out on course is awesome. Like live updates is awesome, but it has to be like a fabric of a bigger picture rather than the live stream being the end all be all. Um, right. And obviously, I mean the way you're looking at F1 or some of these other um, spectator sports as the model, we're kind of looking towards like ultra running UTMB, all that sort of thing as the model. And like in the middle, yeah, triathlon, like Ironman. Exactly. In, in the middle is like, I feel like sort of the the old guard of cycling trying to create things that are a blend of both, but it just doesn't, it's not going to work. You know, what's crazy about this whole thing is that like, I'm not asking anybody to like, I'm not like forcing anybody to to be a part of what I'm trying to build. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? But everyone feels threatened by or are feel like I'm taking away from you know, what they're trying to build. And like, that's the thing that's crazy to me. It's like, you're, you're right, man. It's like, if you want to throw your race and your race is successful, then throw your race. That's cool. 
Like I'm, I'm super down for it. There's like, there's plenty of opportunity. The model that I'm building out doesn't have like category five and category four and category. So those people are going to have to come from somewhere. And so like, it's needed. Like I'm not here to take anything away from those people. I'm saying that I'm building something at the top of the sport because nothing exists. And so, like, whether how you want to be connected with what that looks like is totally up to you. But I'm not compromising what I'm doing based off of your based off of your model or your vision of this, because you you've had more longer than I've been alive in a lot of cases to create something that was sustainable or different. And you haven't. And that's fine. Yeah. Same thing with the, like the NCL. Like, it's fine that you guys want to do whatever you guys want to do. But like, don't ask me to be a part of it. I'm not co-signing it. I don't believe in it. Mm-hmm. I don't think what you guys are doing is right. I don't think that is what's best for the sport. And I don't think it has longevity within it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not going to attach my name to it because once I attach my name to it, it becomes something different. Yeah. Yeah. And so if we're not in agreement, and you're basically offering me, the deal was, is like they were basically offering me f- like f- 40 was it 40? It was like 40% of everything that I own mm. for, a, for a small investment to be a part of what they're doing. Mm. And, and that's my likeness. That's all of my teams. And that's the event that I had already thrown that was successful. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make, it's not a good business. It wasn't a good business decision. It didn't make sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? And their thing is basically like, we're going to build this up. We're going to build this all up. We're going to get it all good. And then we're going to sell. Mm. because it's an investment right so once we get it to the point where we want it we're out mm. we're gonna sell it yeah and that's not that's not enough for me yeah like i'm not here to like to make a bunch of money and then leave the sport yeah yeah it's a really basic I'm, difference yeah it's it, that is a difference it's like this is my life and this is something that like i feel like i've been put here to kind of help with and i understand the impacts that it can have on kids that come from where i come from because i'm one of those kids and so my when we started leading the goal was to create an opportunity for one kid just one that come from where we come from that was it and and now seeing how massive it's impacted like a whole demographic of people where like now when we go to races and like, you know, when we go to D.C., it's crazy how how diverse it is. When we go to Tulsa, it's crazy how diverse it is. When we go to Athens, it's crazy how diverse it is because of the, for, because of the clubs in Atlanta. Like you start to see that you start to see it differently. Yeah. And that's something that we have that no one has or will ever have. And that is a difference. Yeah. So I want to uh, I want to talk about what crit actually is. Because y'all actually officially announced it a few weeks ago, um, but is there quick, quick, tiny follow up question to uh, Austin Aviators? Is there any merch out there yet? The Not yet. We're working. On, we're, we're working okay. on it. I'll send you. I'll send you a care package. And that's like where it gets complicated because like we're a small team and like there's like I think we have. I, I have a total of like ten staff. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, like, yeah. and so getting everything done has been obviously people think that we're operating on this massive, massive budget. We don't have a massive, massive budget. We have we are the kings of making a lot out of crumbs. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, don't take this the wrong way, but I'm I'm not going to be wearing any blazers shirts. <laughs> Legion is awesome, but if I had to choose between 
an aviator shirt and a legion shirt i'm picking an aviator shirt so as you should as soon as, as you should as i just have that hometown pride so as soon as that stuff's available i'm gonna be on it um that's okay. how it should feel man that's no, how it I, should that's kind of what i'm saying is like i actually i am proud i don't personally know really anyone on that aviators team um and i don't live in austin anymore and i haven't for over 10 years but I am proud that there is a team there that has Austin yeah, in its name it's cool. and it's cool. I want to support them. Like, it's just, it's pretty simple, you know, and that's exactly yeah. what you're trying to tap into. Um, hundred percent. Okay. Crit. What the heck is it? And for everyone out there that's confused, <laughs> how is it different than the NCL? Well, it's just different because it's like a normal, it's just a normal bike race, man. Like, okay. like we're implementing like, you know, safety protocol, like with barriers and kind of how we want like the courses to look and feel. Uh, the race structure is basically broken down. There's points. So this broke, it's basically a points race if you're familiar with the track. So there's a, there's a first quarter sprint, a second quarter sprint, a third quarter sprint and a finish. And basically that's just like, it, it enables us to, it enables us to create a system that people can follow just easily. But it's it's a crit, man. Like it's more about the aesthetic and the storytelling of what it looks like. You show up somewhere and you see like buses. Something feels it feels more important. You show up somewhere and like the 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 way that the the structure of everything is built out is pristine. Then you then people their mind automatically transfers into like, oh, this is something that's actually happening here. That's all it is. We did the Lions Den in Sacramento a couple of years ago. And this is just an extension of the Lions Den. It's basically like going from one event to doing three events and see and, and figuring out what what we're missing, what the learnings are, where the holes are, and 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 continuing to build criteria and racing out in a way that is like really awesome. Really dope point structure, uh, creating value around athletes, uh, doing a pre and post shows, just like all like just giving information and creating a thing that people can fall in love with and keep up with and is organized. And we're going from one event to three events and then from three events to who knows how many events, but it's going to grow in the future, you know, six, nine, 12 or whatever. Um, and and. and and crit right now is basically just the kicking off of that. You know, we we were lucky enough to be able to partner with Wasserman uh, to 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 really go out and prove the model, prove the model can work, prove that people are interested in it, uh, prove that we can create entertainment that that people outside of the normal cycling racing demographic, people that watch the Tour de France would be interested in. My my goal is to attract people that maybe pedal bikes or do Peloton but love sports mm. that watch basketball and football. Like those are the people that I'm 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 trying to create something that are that they're attracted to. Um a bit of me is like, you know, a bit of me is a bit hopeless on the the current state of like this race community mm. uh not all but some uh, there's just people that just have terrible attitudes uh or want to use what we're doing as um as clickbait or want to yeah. use you know our name for clout and so it, it's pretty simple we, we there's a these videos on the lines then um it's it's really good racing. It's really exciting racing. The best thing that I took from Lions End the year that I did it was the fact that um, 
the athletes being there were stoked on putting a jersey on that had their name on it. Mm-hmm. They were stoked on being in an environment where everyone was like really positive. And so I just want to get back to that. I just want to create, and, and that happens throughout the year. I'm not saying it doesn't happen throughout the year, but I'm saying Lions End was special and we're going to do, instead of doing one, we're going to do three and we're, it's going to allow us to test all of our theories yeah. on what we think the sport could be. So are there going to be uh, this, this is already going to a super specific question, but are there going to be like standardized numbers for the racers? Like where, where you can identify the athletes. Yeah. Okay. hundred percent. That's yeah. like massively so, important. We do, we have the technology. Dude. Like, we, have, <laughs> we have the technology to make that work, man. Jersey numbers. We have the technology. Kill, just kill trees uh, oh, by printing uh, all of these numbers. Like my goal is for people's number to be just like supplemented in their Jersey. Dude. Yeah. Like you, like so one, do you remember that year? <laughs> sometimes I just can't believe cycling. Um, (laughs) Do you remember that year when I think it was Radio Shack did Mm -hmm. a thing, Lance was on the team and they all had Jersey numbers and like their names on the back of their jerseys. Like they were, they they were trying to do like a ball sports thing and they're all cruising around, you know, Mm -hmm. stage 21 of the tour of Champs-Élysées and it looked awesome. And the UCI was like, no, this is different. Oh my God. And so but the alternative is what we have now where like you'll be the Giro is going on right now. It doesn't make any some sense. break, <laughs> some break goes and you have a, you have a helicopter shot and there's like a, a guy in a yellow Yumbo Jersey and a guy in a red Ineos Jersey and a guy in a blue Jayco Jersey, whatever it is. And you just have, you have that moment where the announcers, the TV announcers are like, you can almost hear them like shuffling their papers in the background. Like, uh, who, uh, who is it? Uh, it's, uh, 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 it's Cone Bowman. Nope. Nope. That's not right. Who is it? And it's like, yeah. fuck, like, <laughs> come on. We can make this very easy. This could be and so criterion easy. racing and criterion racing. We already do it in a lot of races you show up to. They give you a, a, a one of those little, uh, um, what are they? The little fobs, the mm. little things that go on your fork. Mm. And they know exactly where you are and who you are. Mm. So, like, the officials don't need... You cannot be afraid to make a mistake, man. And this sport, man, like, people will, like, hound you and they're, like, so disgusting when you make mistakes. Mm. And, like, the officials are so afraid to make a mistake because people are so, like, irate about, like, their 12th place, 12th place finish they got and they're marked at, like, 15th. That, like, they don't want to, like, take on the technology that currently exists. And just use that in a, in a way that makes sense. So people would never should never have to pin another number on, right? You don't have to pin a number on. You can have a jersey with your name on it. And I think that you should have to work toward that. I think that should be a pro thing. You know what I mean? But you should have it, – it, that is the standard in every other sport. But in cycling, you get a random number as a professional. Of course there is. Like man. think I've, about I've, the, number, the number 23. Like the number twenty three will never be the same because exactly. of Michael Jordan. Exactly. Uh, zero, like Westbrook, everyone knows. Like yep. eight man, Kobe, twenty four Kobe. Yeah, like, they become. He got two. <laughs> yeah, they become legendary. Like Cam Newton, number one. Like it's just it becomes part of the the mystique, and it's just crazy to me that uh, basically yeah, in every other sport, someone. like it's 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 standard. Um, yeah. Okay. So three races, 
Uh, and again, for the reason some people are trying to like pit the NCL and crit against each other is because they're two new things that are trying to shake things up. There's prize money. There's some, in one case, slight adjustments to bike racing. In the other case, serious adjustments slash almost gamification of bike racing. Um, there's significant financial backing from non-endemic uh, sources. So on the NCL side of things, there's all of this investment money from, uh, like, for example, uh, why am I blanking? The Washington Wizards dude. Bradley Beal oh, yeah. is part of that, yeah. right? Yeah, um, I don't know if it's significant. I don't know if it's significant. I think it's probably just enough for them to be able to put him in a press in, release. Yeah, fair. If I'm being honest, totally fair. <laughs> totally fair. Um, on the crit side of things, Wasserman has really taken this on. And for those who don't know, Wasserman is the largest uh, uh, agency in in sports. So they they rep you. I think they have like Westbrook on their roster, like loads of. Uh, Incredibly talented athletes people, yeah. from lots of different sports. Um, so clear, like they're not idiots, <laughs> right? Like Wasserman is not the largest athlete agency right. uh, for no reason, and they, yeah, have, they help bring the Olympics to Los Angeles. They've done stuff with, like they, they they're incredible. So they believe, um, they believe in what you're trying to do. Can you describe for us, like, give us an, if give us the single pager of when the events are, where uh, they are, yeah. who's racing in them, is there prize? All of that, we're we're working all that out again, building slowly and making sure that once we uh, once we hit the ground, um, it's it's right. Um, so it'll be third quarter of the year. It'll be September, uh, October, which is when we had Lions in last year. We're really trying to stay out of everyone's way mm. uh, right now, uh, just because there's already events that exist, and we want to like you know have some kind of respect for you know stuff that's already been there or or, or working with someone that uh, currently exists, depending on like if it works out or not. We get a lot of people that want to do a lot of things with us, and like it, we'll sit down and have the conversation out of respect, but. It doesn't work out all the time, which is, you know, that's happened in the past, too. You know, people trying to sell us on uh, media properties or, or working with us in, in, in the capacity of of whatever they is best for them uh, and trying to connect early, which is dope. We, we love to, to look at those opportunities. But if it doesn't fit the vision, it doesn't fit the vision. And I think people have a hard time kind of understanding us saying no. <laughs> and so uh, the race is going to take place. Um, we're looking at Los Angeles. We're looking at a couple of places. We're looking at Boston. Uh, we're looking at Los Angeles. We're looking at Austin. Hell we're looking yeah. at Sacramento. You know what I mean? We're looking at El Paso. There's a lot of there's a lot of places that we're looking at. Um, ultimately, it'll be three. Um, and whether that happens this year or next year, it just depends on if the timing's right. It's, it's you know, it's May right now. Or, is, yeah, it's May right now. Like, we're not trying to rush things. We're trying to do it right. And like, I'm, and I don't, I'm not worried about anyone's expectations. And I think that that's what keeps catching people off guard is like, I'm not, it doesn't move me. What people think in this, in this space, especially the people that occupy this space doesn't move me. It doesn't bother me at all. I'm going to do it when I feel like it's right. And, and that patience is a virtue. 
You know yeah. what I mean? Like a lot of we we've gotten to see a lot of things kind of crash and burn off of like trying to do it very quickly. Um, and so the announcement was based off of the announcement was based like there's we're, we're still in the game. We have some good footing uh, and we're going to pursue this in a way that makes sense. Um, and, and that's what it is. The teams that are involved are going to be either people. It's going to be a lot of obviously our teams uh, and people that get it. Super simple uh, teams that get it. There's there's other teams that we would love to to invite to the to what we're doing. As we invite them, it'll be under you know there'll be certain like criterias that they have to meet. There'll be certain things that they have to abide by to be a part of it, and, and that's that. And we've even been having conversations with USAC about how they could be involved. You know, we're we're not shedding out USAC because of any reason we're just there has you have to bring value to what is happening and if you bring value to what is happening then of course like we want to work with you um but yeah there's just i think there's a lot of confusion about kind of why we're doing what we're doing and how we're moving how we're moving but everyone has to understand i'm one person i have to run businesses i have to be a professional athlete uh i have to do all of these things that you know it's it's hard enough doing one of them uh and i'm doing my best at juggling uh and compartmentalizing um each thing that i'm trying each bucket that i have but dude it's it's a lot and i and i don't have time to uh jump on a phone and explain to 30 people why I'm doing what I'm doing, right? So, I mean, doing podcasts, getting to hang out with you and just catch up and, like, just run through a lot of this stuff. Like you said, your curiosity and the understanding of, like, you just wanting to to genuinely know and being curious about it, I think that really helps. And I hadn't done any of anything like this in a while. Yeah. And I think that, that, yeah, getting back to that and getting people more... <laughs> more on track with like yeah man like we're just we're humbly building what we're building you know what i mean like we don't go after uh, we're not going after anybody we don't have anything you know negative necessarily to say about anyone um it's beautiful that's that's i mean do you want to talk about that weird article that came out about the dude i don't remember his name yeah remise yeah what's the story that do you want to address that yeah, it's fine. It was, it was, again, it was just one of those things where like someone had approached us with an idea. It's, it's super simple, man. Someone approached us with an idea. We had a conversation with them. Um, obviously, there's going to be some crossover just because everyone's literally reading all of the stuff that I'm talking about and then building their idea from there, which is crazy that I keep having to deal with this. Like, people have never heard of that or, or when that company was made is literally like 10 years late to the party after there's art. You can go look online. If you do a little bit of homework, you can look back to five years ago where I'm having, I'm literally talking about everything that I've been talking about uh, for the last, like, again, like 10 years. Yeah, it was, it was one of those things where we got approached by them about a project that they wanted to come in on, right? They wanted to attach themselves to what we were doing and we had the conversation. It's smart to have the conversation. It didn't work out. Mm-hmm. It didn't work out, or we don't know how how we could connect it yet. You know what I mean? So for you know for someone to say that I'm like I've stolen an idea or an idea a deal was stolen stolen when they don't even race bikes or they don't even ride bikes is just like incredibly ridiculous, right? It's like yeah, okay, you you came up with the name crit. Okay, well crits are what the a- activity is called, right? <laughs> I came up with the Circuit Racing International Tour. 
which just has happens to have the acronym that is CRIT. Okay, but that's still the activity. You know what I mean? And so it's like, again, just like there, I, I understand. You know that you're onto something good when everyone keeps trying to put their hand in the cookie jar. Mm. And so like that's that's all that's happening. It's like there's a lot of people, some with the opportunity, some with money, some without money, that are trying to capitalize off of what's happening, and that's America. Mm-hmm. That's capitalism. So, like, it is what it is. But, you know, to 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 constantly be having to, to defend myself is is getting annoying. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, speaking of the internet, one of the things, one of the 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 items on your list that you texted me was internet trolls. Um, oh my god, bro! <laughs> and, and it's, I mean, it's worth noting that um, Legion is is often. You know, it's often a, a fiery place discourse-wise because y'all are disruptors. Like, you're outspoken. 100%. You're trying to do new things. Um, and especially in cycling where it's just so tradition-shackled, honestly, oft- oftentimes. Um, people people get bent out of shape. And then you add, you know, the current way of communicating online and it gets it gets spicy. But what were you referring to specifically? Like, what did you? No, want to- I was referring to like every time something comes up, like there was this this post that went up about is Legion good for the sport or not? And was this in reference at all to the? I, uh, there was that was it Spartanburg where there was that crash where that dude tried to die. Yeah, that kind of started it. If you've ever raced that course, it's it's basically a one lane course. It's it's an off camber downhill left hander where the barriers are in the road so you can't lean over the curb so you can't hit the the apex is kind of late and there's only one and and we were going too fast like we were like me and Ty and Robin were going too fast so trying to figure out how to navigate the corner at that speed. That's why we stayed to the right. Um, and, and he just came entirely too late. I watched it. I watched his body tense up when he realized he couldn't make the corner. Mm-hmm. Like he realized he could, and, and everyone was arguing online because they thought that Alfredo won the, that who won the race is the person that caused the crash and it wasn't Alfredo. Alfredo was behind me if you look at, they have different color helmets on. One of the helmets is blue, one of the helmets is gray. If you go back, they both have blue jerseys on which look similar and they're about the same size. But Alfredo wins the race and the guy that causes the crash is going so fast into the corner that he still runs into the barrier on the out, outside of the corner. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. how fast he was going. So, like, people who don't understand racing, I, I get it. I'll give you a pass. But the people who understand races, and if you look in the comments, anybody who actually has experience, if you add like a, if you ask a Brad Huff, if you ask a Eric Saunders who had commented on this, if you ask a Rasan Bahadi, anybody who has race experience will tell you that you don't do that. It's, it's a blatant move. And the bigger problem is, is that we've been dealing with the same issues with the same team for like two years. Mm. And that's where the, and that's where people don't really understand, like, why we are so offended by it. It's not because of the action. If it was a first time offense, it would be fine. But we're, we've been dealing with the same thing from the same program for a long time. And that's why it comes off as so blatant. Mm. So it has was part of the online discourse that Legion races aggressively 
and there's this one up like this uh, slippery slope of like things are becoming normalized and this move is just a continuation of like the tone that Legion set. Was that sort of the narrative? That's what they're continuing to trying to say. But like yeah. I'm me, I'm not a brain surgeon. Just because I watch brain surgery online doesn't mean that I can go do brain surgery. Yeah. And so like that's the first thing. The second thing is like I ask people to tag me in a video of us crashing someone. And no one could tag us. Yeah, and yeah. so it's like we promote dangerous racing, but you don't have any videos. So, uh, it do, you would think there would be a ton of videos of us putting people on the ground and them crashing. Us running into people and creating space for ourselves. Us defending the wheel because our teammate, it's, our team is doing a lead out. That's us knowing how to race. And yeah. if you don't have the experience and understanding of how racing works, then your comments don't mean anything. Yeah. Because... It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so, I mean, just again, from a third party sp- perspective, like I've seen videos of you guys racing aggressively for sure. But from mm-hmm. from what I can tell, like what that rider tried to pull off, there was no out. Like, no, there wasn't. Like it, and it, again, like. Like no one, he's not trying to crash himself. I I genuinely feel like he doesn't know, but I don't mm. think it excuses Robin having six broken ribs and a broken collarbone because you did a super dangerous move for no for like no reason. If you were the fastest guy in a race and you're sitting like fourth or fifth, you could still win. Yeah. And so to like take a risk like that into with two corners to go, mm. um, yeah, it's, it's unacceptable. And like whether he did, I don't know if he did it on purpose or not. I don't care if he did it on purpose or not. It's still unacceptable. And so like that is the understanding that I am coming from it, the place that I'm coming from. Like if someone on my team did that, it would be a problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You and would, so like the, so the whole was... argument that we race aggressive is just like it's just like it doesn't make sense. There's a different there's a there's a difference between racing aggressive and being like out of control and dangerous. Yeah. So was there, did he have to answer to anybody? Like say, let's, let's stop, let's maybe stop focusing on this one rider. Cause I mm-hmm. think it, we can probably assume that it was a mistake. Um, like if he could go back and do it again, probably would do he it. He probably wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. So let, we don't have to like beat up on them. Um, I don't even know who it was, by the way. I don't know their name, but in regards to moves like this, whether it's this or, uh, like when Fabio Jakobsen got absolutely annihilated by Din- Dylan Grunewagen, you know, however many years ago, there were massive ramifications. Obviously, Jakobsen got super hurt. Grunewagen got banned for six months. Yeah. Like, is there uh, is there any accountability? In, th- in so this is what we're working on. We're working with the USA Cycling in general, not specific to this case on creating accountability around dangerous riding in a way that makes sense. It can't be one extreme to the next. It has to be like a yellow card to a yellow card to a red card. There mm-hmm. has to be some kind of system of like, hey, you have a history of this. Like you now you're suspended. Um, I think that in, in moments where people you cause like such a something like that, like maybe there's a special case where you just need to be ejected. Um, but we're working with USA Cycling on like barrier safety, safety of courses, uh, and, and rules and regulations around uh, rider behavior uh, that can be addressed when something like this happens in the future. As of right now, you know, funny enough, I, we get so much, we got so much shit about somebody getting put into the, like, uh, 
pushed to the barriers uh, in, in lines. Then, as of right now, USA Cycling doesn't have any rules that allow them to discipline yeah. someone for riding like for riding like that. Mm. And so, as of right now, our, the only option we have is to work with USAC to to to, to create a, a better space. And you know, to their def, to their defense, like they're they're very much willing to figure out how we create a better racing environment for not only the pros but like you know the trickle down effect for all the other categories and to be able to teach those cat those riders as they're coming through the categories um respectful riding and and, and better etiquette because right now the the quality of the field is like pretty uh pretty trash <laughs> yeah 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 i mean because taking this to to the highest level of the sport right now like there's uh, riders can get relegated, like if there's an egregious deviation, right, in a sprint. But the joke is kind of like you should deviate because it's an advantage until there's a crash because as soon as there's a crash, then it gets enforced. So I think even mm. at, like, the UCI level, there's room for a lot of Yeah, but that's sprinting. There. A part of sprinting is sprinting is dangerous, and I love that. I love the fact that sprinting is dangerous. I love the fact that you have to, like, be able to navigate – a finish and know where to be and more importantly know not where not to be it's not the responsibility of the riders in front of you or around you to make sure that you stay off the ground it's your responsibility so in, in a lot of cases and i'm not going to point any out specifically where the rider behind either crashes or does something like there is time for them to back out so you're telling me that you would rather hit the ground than lose the race like it's dude there's responsibility on both sides always protect your front wheel there's a reason that i don't crash that much because mm -hmm. if i'm not in the position i'm knock on wood if i'm not in a position to win the race or get the result that i want to get i'm not going to take dangerous risks i'm not going to put myself in a position to to for someone to like to deviate to deviate whatever i'm not going to do it and so like there has to be some responsibilities on all parties you can't just be oh i hit the ground so like i'm the victim no, that's not the way it works. And, and sprinting to me should always be a, a to, to, should always be a navigation of speed and power and timing. That's what makes it cool. And I love criterion racing because of the contact that comes with that. But you have to be racing with people that know what they're doing. Yeah. Not yeah, people yeah. that went to YouTube University and think they can apply it, but don't apply it. And then when they do it wrong, can't be told like can't doesn't don't take advice. Yeah. If you're not willing to take advice, you you probably don't belong there. Yeah, one one sort of as I was trying to like make sense of that video in my own head a little thought experiment I did was I, I was like, all right, if this was the final 300 meters of a tour stage, what would the reaction be? And I was like, everyone would be like, who is this writer? And what in right. God's name were they doing? Like you would, right. you would have never seen that sort of dive, <sighs> like with 300 meters to go. Like it, it just wouldn't happen because if you had the overhead also, if you had the overhead, people would feel differently. Like if you had the overhead, people would feel completely different, and and it's okay. We don't have the technology, and and people don't have enough uh, information to make a good decision. So like again, it's like something that you have to let slide. You know what I mean? But I'm not gonna not say anything about it. That's crazy. Like wh what comes from closed mouth don't get fed. What comes from me not saying anything, yeah. right? And I think there's an element here too of it just being a dangerous sport, and until there is that technology that can help create some accountability. Um, 
it's gonna be. You gotta messy. get those suits like in motorcycle racing that like when you hit the ground they like you just slide. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I like think it, I think about I think about uh, Supercross that is obviously super well televised, um, camera angles everywhere, and there's a couple of racers. I'm really good friends with one of them, Justin Barsha, who has a reputation for racing really aggressively. And the rules yeah. are different there. Like you are allowed to take someone off the track and mm-hmm. you won't, you won't get relegated. It's about positioning and like protecting where you are on the track and you can get pegged as a dirty racer. And some people absolutely hate Justin for some of the moves he's made. This is Barsha, not you. Um, <laughs> same. But same, I've, same. I've had a conversation with him where he's like, and he told me the, so this was last year I was at Salt Lake city Supercross finals and he had a chance of being third overall in the Supercross series and he was battling with Malcolm Stewart um Malcolm Stewart's younger race uh younger brother mm-hmm. and uh in order to secure third third overall he basically had to finish a couple of spots a- ahead of Malcolm and he knew that day that Malcolm was at least as fast on the track and so he literally had to like create so much disruption in his race that he would, he would have that separation. And so he set him up and he just T boned the shit out of him in this corner, like (laughs) took him off his bike. Oh my God. But it's part of the sport. And, and like they know how to do it in a way where they're not going to really hurt each other. And they have, you know, more protective equipment. And that sort of move typically happens like in a corner when, when speeds are lower rather than mm-hmm. in a straightaway where they're hauling ass. We're going, when we're going 40 miles an hour. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's just part of the framework of sport. Like, look at fucking uh, uh, Marcus. No, not Marcus Smart. Who was it the other night? Kyle Lowry hooked this dude, like literally sold a foul in, in a way that made me so mad. I was like, that was beyond <laughs> dirty, dude. Like, and he got the call because he did it really cleverly. Yeah. Think about who whose leg did a uh, uh, grandma and dream grab uh, yeah. to bonus his leg. Exactly. Like, and it's s- like, it's so there's dude, this so massive, dangerous. there's this massive uh, like expanse of gray area. And like right now, <sighs> crit things, racing, crit racing is, I feel like having like figuring out what's okay. What's like, okay. From a safety standpoint, what's just enough inside the rules to be gamesmanship, like mm-hmm. things that every other sport deals with. Um, and right now, like there isn't a line that um, has been standardized, really, it feels like. I agree. And, and so the one thing I'll say about that is that crit racing is its own thing. And so continuing to compare it to road racing mm. and the Tour de France is a massive mistake. Mm. It's not. Mm. The, 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 everything is the, it's different. The courses are different. The way you approach the racing is different. It is a different sport. It's like it would be like comparing a marathon runner with like a, a, a mile runner. Mm. Like you just don't like, yeah, the mile runner could probably jump in a marathon, but it's not the same. Mm. And so my thing is like continuing to create that separation of crit racing being another sport. It's like track racing and mountain biking would never get compared yeah. and criterion racing and road racing don't need to be compared because when you do that, everyone keeps 
you know, asking us when we're going to go to Europe or, oh, you're not a, you're, you can't do the, the Tour de France or blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, I don't want to do the Tour de France. So like, <laughs> I just like, like, yeah. Yeah, like you're making a mistake of like thinking you're talking down to me where like I've said this on multiple occasions. They're yeah. different sports yeah. and I'm really fucking good at this one. Mm. And so like me building it out and, and, and continuing to, to, to create the things that I want to see. Uh, one of those things are the rules. The rules have to be different because it's a different sport. And so you're right. It is in a space, this criteriums are in a space where they're figuring out what's okay and what's not okay. But there are some legendary criterium racers that should be giving their opinion on that, not random people who either don't bike race or have never raced on a, on a on a, a high level or won on a high level, and like I got the argument where like some of the coaches were some of the best coaches in the world uh, weren't professional basketball players, but they played basketball. Yeah. Like they actually, most of them actually played basketball on a really high level. Yeah. So and if you and like the the argument is is so short sighted and it's like you're you're making shit up, like. Name one basketball coach that never played basketball in their life. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. yeah. All right, man. I do have one more question. Hit me. Why is your beautiful bike that's in the background in the small ring, dude? Because I don't ride it. (laughs) It's a Kobe bike, bro. That's a one of one. They only made one of those things. That's amazing. You know what I started doing? You know what I started doing a few years ago? And I, you're doing the same thing I can tell is in our old age, we're getting more nostalgic. 100%. And I started keeping bikes. So instead of making that nice little bonus paycheck at the end of the year by selling a really nice bike, I'm just keeping it. Because I know I 10, 15, 20 years from now, they're going to be such insane memories. And I'm gradually Dude. collecting this like little mini museum that's just going to be, it's going to be such a cool, like uh, history of bike technology too, like how it's evolved. I'm pretty stoked. I'm on the same page as you. I I have those. I have like one of the like 2000, it's like an SL five or something Mm. McLaren uh, that specialized made. And I built it up with, with like the, like newer parts. So I built it up with the new ETAP. It's, Fuego, bro. That's usually on the wall, but you're right. Like, I just bought back, like, my 2008 bike I had sold to one of my really good friends, and I just bought it back off of him because it's, like, it's massively important to me. That's, like, what started it all. You know what I mean? And so I got that bike back, but you're right. Like, I've always kept bikes. The one bike that I wish I never sold, I kept it and I sold it, dude, was my Rock Racing Mm -hmm. Venom Green uh, DeRosa King 3. And that was a mistake, bro. That one still hurts. I had, I like it was. I'm, I'm still trying to find one, and it's probably gone. But dude, you should put something. Bike. You should put something up on your story. Just be like, yo, does anyone know where this bike is? <laughs> <laughs> does anyone know what this King Three is? But yeah, that's. I'm, now I save all of my bikes. So I have this one. I have the national champion one that I built. That I painted up. Like there's a couple of cool bikes. Obviously, like Specialized doesn't really do custom bikes, and to to be a smaller team, um, and to to have a custom bike is massively cool. Um, same thing with like jerseys and stuff. I have my like national champion jersey right like on the walls. Oh yeah, like that kind of stuff is so important to me, man. Um, and this, it, I know that this doesn't last forever. 
Um, I know that I've had to sacrifice a lot of my time to accomplish some of the things that I'm accomplishing or push this sport in the right direction, criterion racing specifically. And so I really want to enjoy all of the cool things that I do get to do. Oh yeah. Cool, man. Hey, thanks for hitting me up. I'm so glad that we did this. It, it had been too long. Um, yeah, I agree. Where are you going next? What's the next trip? Uh, I'm heading back to Atlanta in a couple of days. I have some, some stuff here with sponsors and then, and then, uh, work. Uh, and then I'm going to, uh, DC for armed forces, Tulsa tough. I'm going to spend a couple of days at Dairyland before heading to Belize nationals. Uh, and then from there, I got to figure out if where Caribbean games are, uh, mm. and then I'll be doing Caribbean games and then home. Sweet. So I got a massive trip in front of me. Hell yeah. All right. I look forward to following. Um, also be looking for that aviator gear i got you bro i got you bro i got you bro hello again everyone thanks so much for listening today uh i'm relieved that i was able to get through this intro and outro today although i would love to hear lily do the intro and outro at some point that'd be so fun she's uh she's definitely the one that spends more time on this podcast project of the two of us and i really lament that her voice isn't uh, a bigger part of the project sometimes because of that but maybe one of these days we'll uh we'll incorporate her a little bit more that would be fun she's definitely the unsung hero i want to say a big thank you to dometic for supporting today's episode uh like i said at the top of the show nicole had our cfx powered cooler in the aid stations yesterday and it got a lot of attention she jokingly this morning was like i think i sold about three of those things <laughs> when you see them they're just impressive uh they're really sleek design durable great for heading out into the backcountry with efficient and on warm humid days they'll keep anything you need really cold or even frozen um, which was definitely a big advantage yesterday with ice socks and and ice cold drinks i highly recommend you guys go to dometic.com and check out their full line of outdoor products they have everything from camping gear to powered coolers to really great drinkware and you can get 20 percent off anything in that outdoor uh, category of products with code STASH23. That's all caps, S-T-A-C-H-E 23 at checkout. Lastly, uh, you can head to The Adventure Stash on Instagram to check out some clips from today's conversation with Justin. Thank you all so very much for listening. Um, the circumstances of, of this week's podcast, obviously getting it out, were challenging, but uh, we did it. We still haven't missed a week. One of these days we're going to, but uh, that day is not yet here. So thank you all for being dedicated listeners as well. We'll catch you next week.